Hello and welcome, Almost 30 Podcast. What is going on? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Almost 30 Nation. How you doing? Hi. So glad you're here. Who coined that? Do we have the Almost 30 Nation? There is one person. I think I did. Well, we did. We you did keep saying, you're like, they call themselves Almost 30 Nation. I was like, I think I started that. We were like, in a, in a lame way. We were like, good night. Oh, Almost 30 Nation. Or it was like, Maybe we were on tour and said that. I, I don't even know. I love it though. What it's what what do we call it? like what's another nickname for you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything else is boring. Everything else is just <laughs> it's hard because it fits. It's like the almost 30 the critters or like <laughs> the critters or like the baby. You know, it's yes. like the almost 30 collective, yeah. <laughs> I know. Whatever, dude. Ooh. Whatever, dude. Take a <sighs> breath. <sighs> We're so glad to have you guys back. And if you're new to the pod, welcome. So Almost 30, we started it about five years ago when we were transitioning from our 20s to our 30s, that Saturn return time when we felt super lost and we found such solace in our conversations. And now we bring it to the airwaves. We interview amazing people. We do solo episodes and we're really just here to support you in your evolution. Yeah, truly. An episode like today just reminds me how incredibly, like I, I go to podcasting for this too, where it's like, Free therapy. Mm-hmm. I have these hundred mo- <laughs> percent. You know what I mean. I, you guys will notice in our questions. We we are very yeah. Specific. We're literally in a therapy session. I'm always like, so what if? <laughs> <laughs> what if your mom? <laughs> always, I think about that. But I think podcasting is so beautiful for yes. that reason. You can just. I've laughed out loud before at how specific you've gotten with some people. It's hilarious. It makes me laugh. Well, I'm like, hey, because it's real time. Well. Is, it's real time AF. Might as well. Might as well. This is for you. Got the best in the biz. <laughs> we even do that with healings. With people oh, yeah. that we interview, um, we'll pay uh, mm-hmm. for most of them. But if people ever want to do a healing before, it's like, oh, free healing with someone that doesn't heal anyone anymore. <laughs> with someone that's now an author and doesn't heal or free astrology or something like yeah. that. Yeah, we always, we always love a healing. Never, never enough. Really looking forward to our conversation today with Nedra Tawab. Yeah, she's so powerful. the best. I think I sent her profile screenshot to Julia maybe a year ago and was like, gosh, she's just incredible. Mm-hmm. We need to get her. And it just worked out perfect with her book coming out. And dude, we were laughing. Oh my God. She's funny. She is. Hel- like we out were, of the blue, I was like, I oh my God. Busted out laughing. My head freaking hit the table. I was like, oh. I laugh like a Muppet. My head like <laughs> rolls back and my mouth opens. I honestly laugh like a Muppet. It was uh... incredible. And one of the things we talked about was ways to, I guess, not gossip. So those relationships Mm. or friendships where you find yourself gossiping, you know, how can we recognize those patterns and get out of them? And yeah, it's so interesting because I struggle sometimes. I'm like, I love a little story. Yeah, of course. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I don't love talking about people's demise. I don't love talking ill of people, but I do love an interesting factoid (laughs) every once in a while. But it's also... Sometimes I feel like, you know, yeah, I guess technically certain things are gossip, but it's also like a a human study where you're like kind of talking yes. about something that people are, someone's going through and you're like, yes. okay, but like, it's yes. like overanalyzing it. Yes. To, yeah. to an inappropriate degree. Yes, literally. <laughs> to escape my own problems, 100%. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's really, but there is levels. Not that I'm like, yes. this is literally 0% of justification of gossip. But I do feel like there's levels. And, you know, for a while, I think I've talked about this before, I was so mindful of what I was saying that honestly, I would choke because I was like, I'm never going to talk bad about anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to say anything ill about anyone. And it was actually detrimental for me to not just express how I was feeling. I used it as a way to almost silence myself because I felt ashamed if I would ever think anything bad about anyone or if ever Mm -hmm. I was like human. You know, part of the spiritual teachings, you know, if it was like Buddhist or Tao, that was sort of what I was really into at the time. And so I was just trying to be very neutral, trying to have like no emotion or expression or really attachment to anything. It just became really hard because I'm like, oh, I'm not allowing myself to feel or express anything. Yeah. And then you would just blow up? Blow up. And then I would blow up and be like, oh my God, did you see what she's fucking wearing? (laughs) Then I'd blow up and I'd gossip all night. But it is interesting how, if I think to moments where I'm like partaking in gossip, it is, and I- Group gossip is a puke. Group gossip, 
But also there is this, and I, I asked Nedra about this, like this feeling of if I do not partake or if I do not, or if I do stand up for maybe the person or situation that is being gossiped about, that like I feel almost like unsafe because like the group is like, wait, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're standing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a weird, for me, it's yes. uncomfortable. I've definitely gotten better at it and just like kind of, exiting the situation, but I definitely think it's a unconscious way that people create safety around them. Yes. There was this hilarious video that Joe Castle Baker did. It was like my favorite. (laughs) He was like, it's him. And he's like, when everyone's making fun of the kid with the rolly backpack. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? It is. Okay, here it is. It's like. Guys, seriously. Guys, seriously. (laughs) Guys, seriously. Guys, seriously. Guys, seriously. It's like the popular girl. Yeah, the popular girl standing up for the boy with the rolly backpack. I love. How funny is that? It's true. It's so funny. It is when you're in high school, you're like, guys, come on. (laughs) He's normal. Um, But living a life of of less to no gossip is so much freeing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about the days when you would leave rooms and you're like, oh, they're talking about me or they're going to say something about me. I mean, when I'm in a certain situation of my life, of my experience in my life right now, wow, there is a lot of gossip where that is going on. And it's such avoidance. Mm -hmm. And it's such like lack of, especially when people break out of the pack. Someone's doing something different. They're doing something out of the norm. That's always like number one. Yeah. And it's always the no better. It's like, they should da-da-da-da. They should da-da-da. It's like- Because it's up, not what you would do. 100%. Well, it's like, worry about your, pick up your own room. Mm-hmm. Make your own bed. Mm-hmm. Worry about your own life. And that's a huge teaching, you know, of 12 Rules for Life, which is really worry about your own space. Like yeah. before you're trying to change the world, worry about your own space. It's so refreshing to be in- you know, friendships, I feel like we have so many great friends here in LA and our conversations, even if there is discussion about another person, there is usually like a an addition, which is like, you know what? I, I wonder why this is triggering me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's always. You know, so it's like, yes. I really appreciate that because yes, we can, we can have our moments where we just kind of, as you say, let her rip on it. But it's always like, huh, okay. So how am I like, of course. What is it about my experience that this is really like either bugging me or or it's like I'm projecting, but yeah, I'm totally projecting on this person, yes. but or or there's a I think there's also to the sleuthing. I think mm. this is what women do all the time, where we're like, well, you know, his mom was never around, and like we like make excuses. You're like, <laughs> we're his, the, his, we're his the dad was always on the road, and you know that's why he feels like he's got a blah blah blah, and like. <laughs> Especially with men. Yes. Like every man, like it's, when you're guys. dating, you're like, well, did you know he was an only child? So he probably, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh my God. It's like, maybe he's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just an asshole. But oh, it's, man. it's a really great conversation. And we talked about her new book, but we also talked about gossip, like which we just discussed. So it was really mm-hmm. beautiful how it felt really step-by-step. Step. It felt really liberating. Um, I want to make a reel for that and put yeah. it on our Instagram just because it was so, so good. There was also this conversation or part of the interview where we talked about things that are not helpful to hear. Um, so phrases that we use that are normalized in our culture that actually don't help people and that usually make people feel uh, more alone or more um, isolated. And so we talked through some of those phrases and how they are actually not helpful. Yeah. We also talk about um, taking control of the conversation that you want to have, um, which I thought was really helpful. So she gives us kind of tactical things we can say or, you know, things that are kind of unsaid that we can create boundaries uh, around. And we also talk about uh, regulating our emotions talk a little bit about parents. I had some, you know, specific questions, the usual. And like, then, so what if your mom calls? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also like, you know, speaking to the person on the side of the dynamic who is, re- who is receiving a boundary, who someone yes. sets a boundary and then that other person, like, you know, what is, what is that? What is that reaction? How do we kind of receive that? which was so interesting because we've all been on on the receiving mm-hmm. side of a boundary. Yeah, because I feel like in so many interviews, people talk about, this is how you set boundaries. Everyone's boundary, boundary. 
But we don't talk about how to receive the boundary Mm -hmm. and how if someone sets a boundary with you, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, how to handle and process that. Yes. Yeah, super helpful. So she's just incredible. So fun, so funny. We laughed. Uh, We laughed a lot. And she also shares her her Mm self-care routine, which I thought was really unique and inspired me. Because for someone who's, you know, really serving so many people and um, it's important to take care of herself. So that was really interesting. And her new book is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Mm -hmm. Last thing we also talked about, just Mm. social media. I wanted to add that too. So we talked a lot about social media boundaries, um, blocking people on social media if you want, just kind of the etiquette and the way to operate on on social media. So that was part of it. And I know you guys are really interested in that. So I felt like, you Mm -hmm. know, that would be really relevant for you. So- Her book is out now. You guys can follow her on Instagram. We share all of her information in the episode as well. And we're just really grateful she was able to come on. Yeah, truly. Thank you, Nedra. And for everyone in Almost 30 Nation, if you haven't already, check out our new website. It's brand new as of this year. And we have courses and programs to support you in your evolution. You can also learn just a little bit more about Almost 30 and us. And then if you are a podcaster out there and you want to start Start or grow or monetize your podcast. We know firsthand just how powerful this medium is and we're super passionate about it. And so we started Podcast Pro because of that and wanted to create a hub for all of you out there. Um, and we're just really excited to support you with our programs. Um, we have downloadables and templates and we also have one-on-one coaching. Yes, we got you. Almost 30 podcasts on Instagram. YouTube is almost 30 podcasts. You guys can watch us, see us in the flesh. Twitter is Almost 30 Podcast. You can see us there. And then courses and programs are also at almost30.com. We will see you on the other side. And thanks for being a part of our community. It means the world. And we love you very much. Love you. It's perfect timing and your book is incredible. It's just so good. And you provide so much value to your community and the people at large. So thank you so much for what you do. And just like to get started as like a first question, I was thinking about this interview and I was thinking yesterday, we were having a conversation with friends about boundaries and we were talking about the the boundaries that we have in our lives and how those happened or how those were formed. And a lot of times it felt like the lesson had to precede the boundary where you had to have, for me personally, I had to have something happen that forced me to create a boundary or it was like the response to something that was going on in my life where a boundary was crossed. I felt uncomfortable or I felt some sort of experience that had to have me create the boundary. So I'm curious in your life, you know, boundaries has seemed like it's such a foundational part of the work that you do. And it's just a really beautiful expression of what you do. Was there experiences in your life, maybe when you were younger or high school or college that led you to the place to realize how important boundaries were? Absolutely. I didn't have the word for what I was doing in my relationships, like setting these limits and expectations. I later found out that those things were boundaries. And really early, I started like getting more comfortable with advocating for myself. And it was very interesting to see how people responded. When I was in high school, I worked at Wendy's. And while working at Wendy's, I decided I'm going to stop eating pork and beef which was one of the hardest things to do if you're working at a restaurant, right? And so I remember like my family would try to like sneak pork into my food. <laughs> like, oh, it's just a little bit or oh my oh, gosh, it won't hurt you. <laughs> Um, and so I had to advocate for this new eating lifestyle. And I was like, you know, 16, 17 years old saying like, you know, for Thanksgiving, can we get the turkey ham instead of just ham? You know, really advocating for this this different eating preference. And it was small things like that that gave me the courage to set, you know, like these bigger boundaries that we have to set in relationships. But I did start early and I started, it wasn't small because at the time, um, you know, it did feel like a lot, like, do I even want to do this? If there's like this difficulty in doing it, but it, it gave me the foundation of if you want something, you really have to advocate for it and you speak up for yourself. 
Um, and even like verbally, I were, oh my gosh, I'm going back into my story. But I even remember like people saying things like, you're not going to be able to not eat that while you're working at, you know, like just the the verbal boundaries I had to set around, like, please don't say that to me. Like, I'm really trying <laughs> to stop this. Um, so boundaries, you know, they happen in so many ways. It's behavioral, it's verbal, and it's really important particularly when we're trying to gain a new habit, that we are setting those boundaries verbally with people and saying, hey, please don't remind me about my diet if you see me eating bread. Hey, please don't um, mention my ex. You know, we just broke up and I don't want to continue to talk about it. It's so important to let people know what you want and need because often they don't know. And I don't think people are trying to harm you by saying, I don't know if you'll be able to do that. Or what about so-and-so? Like they're not really trying to harm you. They just don't know that it's harming you. And it's our job to communicate. That doesn't work for me. Please do this instead. Mm. Yeah, I really relate to the to eating thing. I Over the holidays this year, I'm plant-based. I've been plant-based for maybe 10 years now. And um, over the holidays, my mom made this like quiche. And she's like, oh yeah, I made this quiche. And yeah, there's no milk or eggs or anything in it. And I was like, this is interesting. I don't really know how you make a quiche without any of those things. So I was like, and so she, and then I realized she was trying to sneak me to eat eggs and milk. And and I've had, I worked at like food restaurants, you know, most of my life in high school and college. And it was the same sort of experience. So what's happening when people are are trying mm-hmm. to, to push your boundaries or when you have a choice or you create a boundary where they're kind of pushing up against it or they're testing you? Well, they're testing you and they're doing it in a very manipulative sort of way. They're trying to get you to break your boundary um, so that they can feel more comfortable in, in what they're doing. Because here's the thing, when when I stopped eating pork and beef, when you became vegan, people start to think about themselves and how they interact with you. You don't have to say anything. They will say, well, pork isn't so bad. You're like, I know. Yes. I, I didn't <laughs> I say that. <laughs> That's what being plant-based I'm like, I'm yeah. like, yeah. They're like, why aren't you eating that? They're like, you know, I just can't give up bacon. I love bacon. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. You should love bacon. Like, no one has more to say. Everyone's like, vegans, plant-based people always have so much to say. I'm like, no one has more to say than the people at the table with them. I swear to goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and because of that discomfort that they're feeling, they would rather you be just like them than them accept you as you are. It's like, Mm. just eat a little bit. And it's like, but I don't want to. I don't want to. Please support me in my food preferences. I wouldn't even say a diet, but my food preferences. Yeah. I just respect you so much for knowing or having the wherewithal to set those boundaries so early on because I feel like, at least in my own experience, it's like I've been participating in a rhythm in a relation in a relationship, especially with my family, for so long that now kind of breaking away from it and or doing something different is so painful because they are like, "Who are you?" But you've been this person for so long, you know. And so, I guess what is ha- you know is there is there something happening? I don't know. It feels almost like primal. You know, where it's like, okay, so like you're individuating from the family. What is what is actually happening, you know, within either the family system or biologically when that happens? I think you're becoming more of yourself. You know, as we get older, we become more of who we are. You ever hear people say things like, oh, when you get older, you just say it like it is. It's like, yeah, I don't have time to play these games anymore. And I think this is the beginning of it. Like, no, I don't want to go to the party. And no, I actually don't want to go over aunt so-and-so's house. Like you start to acknowledge like the things that bother you. And because you've gone along with it for so long, people are shocked. They're like, oh my gosh. And it's like, actually, I've hated it for the past 10 years. And the 11th year, I am saying no more. I remember when um, I first got married, I pretended to like to sleep under the um, 
what do you call the sheet on top of the fitted sheet, whatever that sheet is. I pretended yes. to to like that, right? And so I have this sheet on top <laughs> so of cute. me, the comforter. <sighs> and one day, I mean, it was a few months later, but I, I just woke up and I was like, sheets. And I took the sheet off the bed because I am very much fitted sheet comforter. I don't need that extra sheet there, right? But I was, I was faking right? I'm like, oh, if he likes it, I'll like it too. And I'm like, I actually hate the way this feels on top of my body and I can't take it anymore. He's like, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I was doing that. What was I doing? (laughs) You're like, I'm liberated. I'm a liberated woman because it just gets stuck at the end of the bed. You're like, dude, it's just at my feet all night. That's so funny. It's funny in the, in relationships sort of I don't know if it's our boundaries are permeable, but we're just trying to, for me, I think I was, I've tried to be so agreeable at mm-hmm. the beginning of relationships. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm laid back, whatever. I don't mind. And then over time, you're like, no, this is actually how I feel and what I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think sometimes we learn that as we go. And, and perhaps that was my way of trying to be agreeable. Like maybe, maybe this is something I made up about myself. And it's like, no, it was real. You really don't like this. And <laughs> you can't cuff your feet into the comforter with all of these sheets here. So really being mm-hmm. true to yourself and, and figuring out what works. You know, he could sleep under the, the sheet and I couldn't. Like there's so many alternatives that it doesn't have to be one way And a lot of times we just think it does because we don't want to talk about this stuff. We just go with the flow and it's like, oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. actually I'm tired of hearing my friend talk about her boyfriend. Like I've Mm -hmm. been listening to, you know, like these things, like we just let them go and we reach this breaking point. And most of us, when we reach our breaking point, it comes out so aggressive when we set the boundary. It's like a yell, a kick, a scream. Um, we become demeaning, we'll belittle people. Meanwhile, they're like, why the explosion? Like, <laughs> what's happening here? And so we have to be very careful to communicate our needs before we become angry and resentful. We have to do it sort of as soon as we feel it and not the the hundredth time, not the 11th year, not the 30 days after you've already done this thing, but right away, like, hey, I know I say I'd go to, you know, Orange Theory with you, but actually going twice, it's a little much too sweating for me. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> like, I am decommitting. I'm decommitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so decommit if you need to, or or figure out what you know what works for you. Maybe it's not going every week and going every other week, but promising what you can actually do and not promising what you can. Yeah, I think that's that's beautiful. And I in this conversation, you know, we've talked a lot about the the verbal boundaries that people can set. And in my experience, I've also, when I was first creating boundaries, it was with my mom and I didn't know what I was doing, much like what you said. I didn't really understand or have the verbiage for what was happening. But a lot of the boundaries I set were nonverbal. You know, it was really um, started with that. And then I basically was able to get the courage and the confidence to have those verbal boundaries. What are some of the ways in which people can work with nonverbal boundaries as well? So behavior is nonverbal. So if we are bothered by a particular, you know, maybe someone calling or or texting us, behavioral is not responding. If someone is yelling at you and you've, particularly if you say, hey, if you start to yell, I am going to disengage. When they start to yell, disengage. That is your behavior. That's what you can control. So there are so many things that we can do behaviorally that doesn't involve the other person. Lots of times with boundaries, we want to tell the person so it's all on them. Now, like, here's my thing and you must do it. We don't want to say to people, okay, um, this is actually what I need. And we don't want to behave in a way that is a boundary. For example, people will say, my mother-in-law pops up unannounced. Um, what should I do when she comes over? Behaviorally, you don't have to answer the door. <laughs> you know, like it's your door. Like if you communicate it, please call before you come, or you could go to the door and say, Hey, this is not a good time for me. Like there's so many things we can do. And really the boundaries that we set, it's based on our comfort level. 
Mm. And we're not always comfortable with the same things. And so you really have to think about what could work. What can I say? Not what Nedra says, but what can I say in my very own way that makes me feel comfortable? Because, yeah, I mean, how many times have you told someone like, he's no good for you, leave her alone, all of these sort of things, and they continue on. That's not their comfort level to leave the relationship yet. And so we have to allow people to operate in ways that feels best for them. Yeah, sometimes I have a hard time. And I feel like a lot of us are, are this way in, in, in the sense that we kind of, I can see both sides in situations. Mm-hmm. So if I'm setting a boundary, I'm like I can, I can kind of see how that's uncomfortable for the other person. I almost like, not shape-shifting, but it's like I'm also feeling what they're feeling. So that empath in me. And do you have a way in which you can kind of like, for me, it's like regulating my emotions and like remembering like, okay, how do I feel? And, and, and being in my own body, is there ways in which we can do that in the moment when we are setting a boundary? Overthinking can be a habit. And I think that we, when we are in the habit of checking in with the person that we set the boundary with, we have to break that habit and start to check mm-hmm. in with ourselves, which is what you, you've mentioned that you're starting to do. You have to check in with yourself. You have to manage your discomfort after you've set the boundary. You have to manage how you'll engage in future interactions with this person because even though the boundary is placed with them, the boundary is about you. So you are the person who needs the care in this moment because you've done a very hard thing. And it's interesting because people often think like I've, you've set all of the boundaries. It's so easy for you to set boundaries. I still set boundaries that make my stomach drop after Mm. I say them. And I'm like, oh, That was was a tough one. And then I immediately feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I let that out. Because if it felt like that coming out, gosh, it must have felt terrible sitting in there for weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's so important to know that, you know, this is not something you learn about boundaries and it's like, okay, done. Got all the boundaries. It's like, no, like I, I can imagine that when, you know, I'm a grandparent or when I'm a, you know, like whatever, I will mm-hmm. be setting some boundaries, you know, like it is a continuous practice. And the more we practice it, the easier it becomes. And in doing the work, we have to take care of ourselves and allow other people to take care of themselves after they hear something that's difficult. We all mm-hmm. hear difficult stuff and we have to take care of ourselves when when we feel that and not um, necessarily tune into other people and check on them after we've done the really hard work of of setting the boundary. Yeah, it's interesting when you were talking about someone receiving the boundary, and I actually don't think we've ever talked about what if you're the person that's that's on the receiving end of a newly created boundary in a relationship. Like, what is the best way to respond? What is the best way to take care of yourself? And is there anything that you can really do there? That is the biggest thing. And that's a really hard thing. But we have lots of practice, right? Um, We were somebody's child for for 18 years and we listened to a whole lot of boundaries and rules Mm. and restrictions and don't do this and watch this. What did you just eat? All of that stuff. And we will do it for the rest of our lives. We will do it for the rest of our lives. We're already listening to boundaries. You all did a sound check with me. I had to listen to, is this okay? Do you want me to do this? I am following you. Those are your boundaries for your program, correct? Mm-hmm. So we're always listening to boundaries. It's, we have to normalize that. When we go outside and we get in our cars and we stop at a light, we're listening to the boundary of stop at the red light. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. we're, we're already mm-hmm. doing it. Now, you know, the light is not coming down and talking to you and saying, Nedra, you stop at the real light like you would perceive a friend telling you something directly. But we know how to obey rules. We already know how to obey boundaries. And so if someone is is placing one with you, respect it if it's reasonable. You know, if it's reasonable, respect it because 
what the person is doing is really trying to feel safe. And I would I would venture to say they're trying to preserve the relationship because in many cases, the ultimate boundary is not being in a relationship with someone. So if that is the boundary, you have to respect that one, too. But if they're saying, you know, this is my preference for blank, they are continuing in a relationship with you and they are sharing the preference. Yeah, that's powerful. I, yeah, the listening piece. Oftentimes, either when I've set a boundary or I'm receiving end of the boundary, I've definitely come to the place where I'm like, damn, that is inspiring. I am here for your boundary. Mm-hmm. But I do remember like a time when I, it would actually make me feel insecure about the lack of boundaries I had. You know, there was this like direct mirror where I was like, wow that was really clear and really direct. And I respect that. And it also kind of makes me feel a certain way about how I've been neglecting myself in that way. And so, yeah, it's kind of this, I love what you said about, you know, respecting it, focusing on like respecting Mm -hmm. someone's choice and clarity on what is good for them and what's supportive for them. Because it kind of gets me out of my own head of judging myself and comparing comparing myself. Um, it, just quickly, it's interesting because my experience when people have set boundaries with me, I felt like they didn't love me. Mm-hmm. Like I, my idea of love was more codependent. Yes. Maybe enmeshed. So I was like, oh, when they created the boundary, I was like, oh, I don't feel like they love me enough. Or I don't feel like they... Yeah. I, I, I felt abandoned almost by boundaries. So that was something I had to reframe in my head was no longer feeling like the boundary was a result of anything that I've done poorly or that it was a boundary meant that I was not loved. And so it's interesting mm-hmm. how boundaries and boundaries when they're set, people experience different things. And what is the... Have you seen some common patterns or themes just in how it relates to someone's experience in childhood? and how they react to boundaries um, or set boundaries? Absolutely. I think that we learn perfection. We learn people-pleasing. We learn codependency, enmeshment, and many things that are anti-boundary in childhood. And we continue with that. You know, there are our parents who will only reward you when you when you please them, when you do something well. They don't bump compliment you otherwise, then we learn to only do things to perform. We learn to make sure other people are comfortable before we are comfortable. And when that, you know, happens to us in childhood, as adults, we continue to do that. We continue to engage in in behaviors that that haven't served us and, you know, they won't serve us. And we get into this space of now we're burnt out we're anxious, we're depressed, we're resentful because people aren't listening to us. And sometimes people aren't listening because we aren't saying anything. We're not saying anything to them. What we're doing is we're, we're, we're agreeing to stuff. We are pretending to um, not really have a preference. You know, the funniest thing is when you ask someone, um, you know, what do you want to eat? And they're like, you know, I don't know. And you throw out this, I don't want that. So can you tell me what you don't want to eat? Let's get to a preference. You have a preference. It's it's not, it's not Chinese food. It's not Indian food. It's not, you know, what is Mm -hmm. your preference? Do you want tacos? Can we say tacos? You know, what, what's going Uh on? It's okay for you to want that. I typically want about the same five things most of the time. I'm like, do they have Chipotle? Is it Mo's? Is tacos around um, Italian? (laughs) <laughs> you know so um, that is like, yeah, I can eat them every day. We had it yesterday. I'll take it again today. It's really important that before we say no one listens to me, that we're speaking something that people need to listen to. And we're really advocating for that. And I think mm-hmm. in childhood, naturally, we are intuitive. We know what we feel. When, oh, gosh, when I close my eyes and I think about babies, oh, babies are so magical. Because babies know when they're hungry, when they need to be held, when, you know, they, they're too warm, too cold. And sometimes the adults don't know. We're like, why is this baby crying? Oh, there it is. They just, they want to mm-hmm. suck their fingers. You know, it's just like, 
We know Mm -hmm. even when we can't communicate it. And as we grow up, we continue to know. And unfortunately, there are so many forces that talk us out of our knowing, Mm -hmm. whether it's teachers, parents, family members, siblings. We know, you know, you ever see a child say, I'm full. And then the adult says, no, you can eat some more. Well, Mm -hmm. the child is full. Their belly has told them, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I can't. I can't take anymore. But here we are saying, no, no, eat a bit more. We're teaching them to bypass what their body feels. So there is mm-hmm. so much of this happening that we don't even realize that we have continued in these ways, um, and we carry it into adulthood. We carry it into relationships, and it impacts us. It impacts our ability to set boundaries with people because we have been so used to bypassing what we feel when people say, I don't know what I need. I, I, mm, yeah, you do. I don't know if you are afraid to say it, if you're uncomfortable saying it, if you're trying not to need it. But I know you as a human being, You, you there's something in there that you, you know what the boundary is. It may be really hard to say. Maybe you don't believe you can have it, but it's in there because that's, you know, that's that's all we had when we were born. Just this intuition of I, I think I'm hung. Like we don't even have words for it. But it's like there is something going on in my body. Let me cry and see if somebody could figure it out for me. I'm so thankful that we're at a period in time when I can recognize those times in my life when I was a kid. And, you know, it is like the thing where it's like, oh, keep eating. You know, you're you're not full if the kid says it's full. It's like, we now know that people and children and babies are telling us things. And that reminded me of, you know, a post that you did a while ago that was things that were not, perhaps they were not helpful to hear. And it's phrases that a lot of times it sounded like things that parents would say to people that aren't actually helpful for people in situations. And I just found that to be so fascinating because there's so much of the unpacking of how we've been treated or how I was treated as a kid, where it was like, oh, that actually was traumatizing to hear those things over and over again. So I'd love to talk a little bit about those and that post that you shared um, a few months ago. I just felt like it was really powerful and it was really um, actionable for people. Yeah, I think with, you know, I, I can't remember it exactly, but I'm pretty sure I put this one in here because it is my least favorite thing to hear. You'll be okay. You're all right. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. We're we're always trying to find this meaning and dismiss, 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 ignore, ignore, ignore me while we feel, right? We're still feeling stuff. When I think about kids and we're told this stuff, those are just more ways for us to bypass what we're actually feeling. You're okay. It's like, no, I'm not. I just fell down the stairs. <laughs> it's like, I'm not okay. Please stop saying that. My knee hurts. <laughs> and then and then we we start to say it to ourselves. And we t- and and that, that I'm okay, I'm okay. That really turns into the adult who feels like I don't need to ask anyone for anything because I need to figure it out. I will be okay. That's what that turns into. And then when you do really need help, you don't know how to ask because you really believe you're okay. Meanwhile, you're on crutches. You need a lot of help. You know, so there there are so many things that we really start to believe because we've just heard them over and over and over and it makes us feel bad. Mm-hmm. And we say things to people and we don't really think about it. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. Just try mm-hmm. to forget about it. We say all of these things because they're like, common slogans to minimize pain. And really what the real thing is, we are just uncomfortable watching people be uncomfortable. And I happen to be in the business of, you know, watching people cry, right? And so Mm -hmm. as I am watching them cry, a lot of people apologize to me. And therapist and they apologize to me. I'm, I'm so sorry I'm crying here. And I'm like, well, if not here, where? Like, mm-hmm, that's why mm-hmm. there is a box of tissues. So you, mm-hmm. I expect people to cry. That's why I put tissue right there on the couch. If I get through a day without somebody crying, I'm going to go home and be like, did I do a good job or not? 
We absolutely, you know, there are situations that we talk about and we have feelings. And I know it's hard to to watch people feel and not do anything. That's why we offer advice when people, oh, don't just, just try not to think about it. What we're really saying is Mm -hmm. I cannot handle what you're expressing right now. So please stop it. One of the things I decided not to do as a therapist early on is offer people tissue because I don't want to send the message that I'm telling you to stop crying. Cry as long as you need to. If it dripped down in your shirt, that's your shirt business. You know, you have to walk out of here with a wet shirt. But, you know, I put it in view. If you want it, you grab it. Um, and if the person behind, uh, before you hit it or something, I will kind of be like, you know, I'll do a little point, but I'm not like giving you tissue. Cause I want you to cry as much as you mm-hmm. need to. If the snot need to fall on your lip, let it out. You need to cry. That's why you crying. I was just saying, I've, I've been thinking about that with touching people when they cry. It's like, do mm-hmm. I, like I've, I used to be someone that was like very, I wasn't, I didn't engulf people, but I was very like, oh, you know, touchy on the knee, touchy on the arm kind of that was my way to console. And I've kind of been noodling over that if that's the most helpful thing too. I will ask the person, is it okay mm-hmm. if I give you a hug? If Is it mm-hmm. okay if I touch your leg? Because for mm-hmm. some people it is. And, you know, I have a friend and she will say, just let me cry. Just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> the best support you get, can give. Just let me cry in peace. Don't try to console me. Don't rub my back. Like I just need to cry. And that is what feels good for me. And what would you say, you know, if people are the ones that are, you know, on, like the crier or emotional or, you know, and the other person feels uncomfortable, is there something that they can do or say that, you know, more clearly expresses their needs in the moment without, I don't know, kind of breaking breaking the process of really feeling what they're feeling. Because oftentimes I do feel that way where people don't, my family I'm mainly talking about, don't really know. They just want to be like, it's, it's going to be okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And I oftentimes don't know what to say mm-hmm. in that moment. I remember one time I was in a car accident, totaled my car. And I remember the police officers and the EMS and, you know, they they kept saying it was going to be okay. And I'm like, yo, it's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I broke my glasses. I cannot see what's happening before me. My face is hurting. Like, yeah, it'll be clearly I'm okay, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years later. But at the time I was not okay. And that's not what I needed to hear. Just let me, whatever random stuff is coming out of, I probably was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was saying, but just let me feel whatever I need to feel right now. And I Mm -hmm. understand that you're like, calm down, you know, all of this stuff, but it's not helpful. I just, I just needed to be upset. And I probably would have calmed down quicker if somebody would have just let me be upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, is you're okay? Does that mean I'm alive? It's like, yes, I am alive, <laughs> but I'm not necessarily okay. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. that's people's meter. It's like, yes, technically I am living, but I don't, wouldn't say I'm okay. And I'm just thankful that we're really learning that. I, you know, when talking about boundaries, I think for our audience and for our community, it's uh, something that people are newly applying to their life. But I think for the rise of social media, they've been able to sort of understand boundaries as it relates to social media. Not that I'm saying that we're all perfect at it, but what would you suggest for people when making boundaries with social media and how do you live you know, those boundaries as much as you can in your life? Mm-hmm. So social media will be here to stay. Technology is advancing, not disappearing. And so we have to figure out a way to engage with it. And one thing we have to be mindful of is that it is created to keep us engaged, just like TV, just like video games, just like our cell phones. All of these things are created to keep us engaged. And so because we have that information, we have to operate in the space of how much do I want to be engaged? What limits can I set with myself to be engaged as much as I want to be engaged? And Instagram, they have a timer. 
the iPhone. It has a timer. Um, I, I suggest to people setting those things, figuring out how much you want to use it and putting a timer on it so you can get kicked off of it once your time is up. It's like time's up. You're done. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful way to use it. Also being mindful of the energy that you're exchanging in the space, because there are so many times where I hear people talking about folks they follow that they don't like or folks they mm-hmm. follow they're they're upset about their content and following someone is a choice. It really it's a choice. And so if you don't like someone's content, you have a choice to unfollow them. If that person is a family member or friend and you don't feel comfortable unfollowing them, you can mute them. And what I've been suggesting recently is perhaps that, you know, they don't have a cap on how many accounts you can have. Set up an account where you follow your family, your friends, and then set up an account that is really for your spirit, your account that is really for your fashion stuff or whatever. Use use these social media platforms in the way that you want to. And you don't have to, um, I have to look at everything on this again. I have to respond Mm -hmm. to everything that my cousin is saying. No, you can create whatever atmosphere you want to. I consider it to be, you know, our, our technological home. What sort of energy do you want in your house? Your brain is, you know, you're getting all of this information all the time. What information do you want? Do you want news stories? Do you want the newest restaurants in your area? You want to see who had a baby, who broke up? You create that. Yeah, we forget that we have the power to do that a lot. I, I feel like there is this, this feeling of like technology is running everything or, you know, it's kind of like, that thing has the power. And yeah, I just love, I love that suggestion. And it doesn't take a long time to do. It's it's quite quick. You know, people spend so much time on social media. And so taking, you know, a few minutes to just kind of set your preferences and like set up those technological boundaries and preferences is so, so important. I'm curious um, what you think about the way in which, you know, we are perceiving others online and being perceived as people online. I've had this in interest. We've both had this experience of, you know, people who know us offline have a perception of who we are online, even though we're being ourselves, but like, it's weird because it's online. And there is kind of this like gap in connecting with them because they're actually thinking about more so what they see online rather than connecting with us either in real life or the phone call or a text that is more personal and getting to know us in that way. So yeah, I'm not sure what my question is. I just, I'm I'm curious what you think about that like perception of being online and how it's affecting people. Well, we cannot control perception because sometimes perception is a fantasy of what we want to believe, particularly Mm -hmm. about influencers and celebrities and those sorts of things. We have a fantasy where we look at this celebrity and say, well, they never cook their own food. I mean, who could imagine, you know, Beyonce like cooking and, you know, like changing a diaper because what we see is something completely different. So people will say, well, she doesn't, well, she's not posting that, but we have to understand that she's a full human being. And so I think these experiences occur outside of what people are showing. And again, we have to use, we have to think about it in that way because it is set up for you to just see, you know, these sometimes just the good parts of people's lives or people having fun. But I tell you what, I, you know, I think everybody goes to the bathroom multiple times a day. Everybody wakes up, they brush their teeth. These are all things people aren't posting, right? And so it's like they're doing many of the things that you're doing. It's just not postable content. Nobody wants to know if I use Crest or Colgate, right? Like, that's not like, ooh, what does she have? You know, it's like, it's... it's, You'd be surprised. (laughs) You'd be surprised. (laughs) With a smile like that, I would want to know. (laughs) Listen, I'm I'm not loyal to any toothpaste. I kind of rotate. There you go. But it's like, what's on sale? I'll take it. I don't even know. Um, (laughs) So I I think it's one of these things that we create the, the 
ideas that we want to, to see about people. And sometimes that is a fantasy. And we have to, to humanize people more and understand that people are not bots. Lots of folks are actually running their own accounts. And if they not, they are checking this information. And it really disturbs me. I don't even follow. Uh, I don't think I follow any celebrities. And the main part is I get so disturbed by their comments, the pe- what people say to them. I can't follow them because that would be a whole nother job for me, like policing the comments and defending the per- Like So I'm like, I can't follow them. There are a lot of them I like, and every once in a while I'll go look at their picture, but it is hard to follow because the things that people say is just, it's so cool. Like, I don't want to know that part of people. <laughs> it's like, I have to tap out. It, people treat others as if they are not human because we have built this thing that they are, they're tough. They have a great life. So now I can say anything to them. And it's like, yo, you cannot say mm-hmm. anything to another human being, period. I think there's, um, a, it's dismantling is an interesting word to use, but it's like that of the belief that that if you are rich and if you have money and you are a celebrity, you deserve it. It's like, well, it's par for the course. All celebrities, you know, they know that they're getting into getting death threats and getting people saying horrifying things to them and all these things. It's like, we have this expectation in our society that that's what happens when you become a celebrity and when you become rich and famous, that it's almost like it's something you deserve because you have all of those things. It's very weird, but I know I can, I don't follow any celebrities because I think their content often is very weird. I I don't really find it to be very, very helpful. I'm <laughs> like, oh, this is very interesting. And the comments are just, yeah, they're like, they're idling them. They're freaky. You're like, what? Or like, they're just, it's like, yeah, it's like idol worship. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Or just mean. Yeah, or, or mean. Yeah. The, I think there are some 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 good ones to follow. And like I said, I'll check in, but it's it's the comments for me. Like I, I just cannot even even in my comments, I, I will block people, I, I restrict them, I do all sorts of things because and then people say, Well, I can't, I was just saying, I was just playing devil advocate. Not here, you won't. Not in my house. <laughs> we're, not, we're not advocating yeah. for Satan here. So you know, you don't you don't need to don't come on here and don't start fighting in the comment. I will block all five of y'all. I blocked someone a week or so ago and I was like, you know, my page, my rules. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's for you. Like this is actually for you because I don't know who you are. And I didn't know who you are until this comment. And you obviously think about me and you think whatever about me. And this is obviously bothering you. So this is actually for you. Like this is for your benefit. Now I will no longer trigger you. Enjoy. So I think that's a really liberating way to think and just allowing people to make their internet space, whatever it is that they want it to be, their rules, like, you know, obviously being kind and courteous and not saying cruel things online, but if they want to create a boundary, they can. Speaking of almost kind of like the gossip, cruel comment thing. There was a really powerful post you did as well that I found to be incredibly helpful. And it was um, the ways to respond when you don't want to gossip. And this is something that we talk about quite often, you know, in the evolution of our female friendships, how we don't gossip really anymore. Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll let it rip and, and definitely get into it, but it's not a cornerstone of how we connect and it's not really a priority when we connect. And so I would love to share some of the ways in which people can navigate to not gossip in situations. So, so gossiping is, it's almost become normalized because you go to the grocery store and there's seven magazines with all of this stuff. And you're like, oh my gosh, this giraffe is having a baby by a human. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I I get it. Sometimes we get, we get so pulled in and, and that's the story. And then next it's like, you know, they're talking about all these celebrities and all of these wild things. And it's like, Yo, this is this is too much. But in everyday life, I think when we are talking about the people we know and love and tearing them apart, that is an interesting concept. And we do it so often. We do it in these ways where I don't think we're trying to hurt them. We're just trying to, I think it's really passion, passing judgment. 
we're being judgmental about this person and their partner, this, how they keep their house, you know, like all of these things. And what I think is a really good practice to curtail the gossip is to talk about yourself, talk about your experiences and only talking about people if it had something to do do with you. If you went over to her house and she said something to you, I think you can talk about that. If you went over to her house and some man came in her house and you weren't there and she told you the story, don't you tell nobody that story. That ain't your story to tell now. You know, so just really Mm -hmm. being mindful of what is your business and what is not. Because... There is an industry around gossip and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you do want to pick up some magazines, but in your relationships with people, we really have to consider integrity. And I, and I'll tell you, if I, if I say something bad about people, I'll feel bad. That's where I am. So I know I'm growing. I feel bad. Ooh, I can't believe it. And and it could be something that's true, but it just feels bad because I don't want to say you know, these things. And so we have to be really mindful about our intention. And if we're really concerned about people where we need to talk about them, how about talking to them instead of about them, figuring out a way to communicate with them and not, you know, having some of those judgy conversations behind their back. I often think about gossiping as a way to, it's almost sure about the person that you're gossiping but then uh, gossiping about but then it's also just a way in which you connect with others mm-hmm. I've seen it in my family I've seen it with friends where it's like it's kind of like the glue and there is kind of mm-hmm. this little this ping of energy that's like ooh you know like yes. it just for me it feels like oh like I've this makes me feel connected to the people that I'm gossiping with. And therefore I feel safe within this group because I'm a part of it Mm -hmm. rather than standing up for. And so for me sometimes, and I've gotten better at this too, where I feel like I'm like, damn, I'm growing. But it does feel like a safety thing sometimes Mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh shit, I don't want to be the person that's like they're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know? And- um, Like tribal. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, It's just a really- a really interesting, um, really interesting feeling. And I love that point about talking about yourself. And you were talking on um, a podcast that I was listening to and just talking about how we're able to really take control of the conversation that we want to have. And I oftentimes forget that, but I've been in deep practice lately of, of doing that what has been your experience with that? Um, just as some examples, I think it's super helpful for people to hear where you've really been able, especially someone who has come into, yeah, being in the spotlight and and being very, um, yeah, just w- very known and, you know, whether it's writing a book or um, I can imagine that there are conversations around that where people are like, you should write it like this, but... Mm-hmm. How do you really advocate for yourself in in those in those situations? You know, I, I think, and and I'm going to go back to your earlier question. Like people have this perception, and I think sometimes when people know things, they think that you are open to advice, and because you have a platform, people may know things that you wouldn't even tell them directly, right? And so mm-hmm. they're thinking, "Oh, I know this about this person. This would be helpful. You should." you should write a book about blank or you should, you know, on your next show, you should talk about this. And it's like, yeah, we, we, and just setting a boundary of, you know, we usually um, pick a topic based off of, you know, where our energy is or based on user feedback. So if you want to like submit something that would be great and then our team can go through it. So really, taking it and saying like, this is a, this is a business process. And so if you, you want to offer something, please do it in that way. So people aren't coming to you directly and saying, you should talk about this. And it's like, I just want to have brunch. (laughs) Just, I just want to have brunch and not talk about episodes. So really redirecting people because Sometimes people don't know that you're uncomfortable with it. And some people aren't like some people do appreciate, you know, some some guidance from friends in in different areas. And so it's important to let people know what feels comfortable for you because because we all operate at different comfort levels. 
I think when you accumulate a following online, there is this perception that you are more of an open book than you actually are. You know, I've I've certainly heard people say, I met so-and-so in person and they were so mean and they're so nice online. Like, nice online? I don't don't think anybody would fool them if they were, you know, like an introvert Mm -hmm. online. Um, But in real life, introversion may come across as mean if someone is saying, you know, no, this is not a good time. That person could be shy. They could be having a bad day. They could be an introvert. So many things that they don't like people in their personal space. Hey, we're in a pandemic. You're too close. So many things can be happening. And we really have to, again, it goes back to respecting the boundary um, and not challenging people on that or even saying this person is bad because they don't want me to talk about podcast episodes with them or this person is bad because they didn't want to heart- give me a hug in Trader Joe's. This person is bad because, you know, like all of these things that <laughs> people are entitled to, you know, get their little mixed bag of salad in peace. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's what's interesting with there's that is that's the interesting part about social media is that because people share so publicly and honestly, and I'm I'm one of those people I share very vulnerably, sometimes more to the internet than I do in real life, but not in the way that that feels leaky to me. But it does make people feel like they're entitled to your energy or to know you in a way that is very interesting because essentially, you know, I'm 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 calling for it if I'm sharing in that way. But it's a it's an interesting phenomenon too. I think that's increased with the way that social media is now with influencers, with people that we follow online. And I think previously with celebrity, it wasn't as much like this because there wasn't as much access to people's real life or behind the scenes or as much 24-7 coverage of the way that people work. But I just have one more question. I know we're coming up on time. I would love to just know like what your self-care routine is like. Like, How do you take care of yourself? What are your favorite things that you do to really show yourself love? My absolute favorite thing to do is read books. And I always think to myself, man, I wish I had more time to read a book probably average about one book a week. And that is because I wake up super early and for about an hour, I just read in the evening. I try to read and honey on the weekends, I will read as much as I can. I love getting lost in stories. I love hearing stories, talking to people about their stories and reading about them, watching them all about the stories. I love it. So that is one way that I take care of myself. It's a very important practice. I would say another thing is taking space when I need to, because sometimes, you know, depending on what I have going on in my life that, you know, I have to figure out ways to be there for people without sacrificing my mental health. And it, it, it sometimes it's, you know, not talking to people for two hours about their problem and saying, you know, hey, I have 30 minutes at this time or, hey, can we talk about it next week? So being really in tune to what I can manage because some conversations, they just, they take your breath away and your energy. (laughs) You just be like, what did I just do? And so you have to be mindful of those interactions. And so I, I try to be very mindful of the people who my eyes just cross when they come across my phone, like, oh gosh. And I respond accordingly because (laughs) I respond accordingly, you know, because, you know, sometimes that's that's taking five minutes to talk. And sometimes that is saying, you know, I think this conversation, they always talk about this one thing and really me figuring out some ways to redirect the conversation. Because do I have to ask the person who always have a problem how they're doing? No, I don't want to know how they're doing. I already know how they're doing. They're always doing how they're doing. So I need to maybe say, did you see the um, did you see that there is a whole flock of red robins coming across? The, you know, I don't know. I need to make something up, but I need to talk about something different. The giraffe. We can go with the giraffe one. Did you see that the giraffe <laughs> yes. was pregnant by a human? You know, I have to come up with something else. <laughs> I'm candle making this weekend. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, anything. 
And so just being really mindful about the conversations that we're having with people and redirecting them when necessary, you know, getting off the phone or I'll call you back or let me, you know, transition to this other topic. That is, oh, that's such a beautiful self-care practice. I could go on and on, but I would say reading, waking up early and being really mindful in conversations. Yeah, that sounds, that inspires me. I love reading and I don't make enough time mm-hmm, for it. Mm-hmm. Truly. Been such a joy. Really appreciate you mm-hmm. being here. And I'm so excited for our listeners to read Set Boundaries, Find Peace. I would love for you to share with everyone that the best way to connect with you and your work. Absolutely. So I am most present on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. I post there daily in my stories. I do quizzes and polls, all centered around mental health, wellness, and relationships. Amazing. Beautiful. This has been so much fun. I'm really thankful and I know our audience is really going to love it. So you guys have to get the book. It's incredible. And hopefully we can connect again soon. We really appreciate you you coming on today. Yes. And I probably just created a new headline and it will be in the tabloids <laughs> about the Honestly, and the- <laughs> we should Let's start it. Fake news. We'll start it. We'll be like, all right, everyone. Did you see that? I was thinking, I'm Dude, like, we have to clip that piece. That I was unreal. It. I, I, it made me think about last thing. It made me think about when I was a kid standing in line at the grocery mm-hmm. store with my mom and I would see those headlines and like, the dreamer in me was like, wow, that's that's incredible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't I don't know if I believed it, but I was like, if that's true, that's amazing. You know? Um, so funny. So, oh so God. funny. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. Sending you a lot of love. Hopefully you have a beautiful weekend coming up and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you so much, Nedra. That was so much fun. So we appreciate fun. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow Nedra on Instagram at Nedra Tawab, N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B. And her book is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And we just really appreciate you all. Thank you Mm -hmm. for subscribing, rating, and reviewing Almost 30 Podcasts, sharing it with your friends. Truly, everything means so much Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, sharing with a friend is such a good way to support your friends in their journey, to send them information that's relevant to them, and for us to really grow our community in the pod and make other people feel less alone. So we'll see you on the next one. We have tons of other amazing episodes on Almost 30 on the feed. And we just want to thank our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands that we love and use ourselves. Think of us as kind of like your vetting friends. You can find all discount information. We always got you on the discount in our show notes, as well as on almost30.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Bye guys. Bye.